And welcome to the socialworldpodcast.com. Your host is Dave Niven. Today's show is sponsored by David Niven Associates. Welcome to the Social World Podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Niven and I'm very pleased to have your company again. Now, today's podcast, um, the principal interview that I uh, took on this that was with Alan Wood, who is the uh, president of the Association of Directors of Children's Services in England. And he's also a children's director in the London Borough of Hackney. And prior to that, he was the chief executive of the Learning Partnership, which was responsible for all education in Hackney. And uh, he also has been credited for a decade's worth of turning that borough's education delivery around from failing right through to being very successful. Now, he's also no stranger to controversy, and uh, I'm sure some of you will remember some of the comments that were attributed to him, and I've challenged him on that and asked him to explain it more. But it is a good interview, and I'm sure you'll find it fascinating. But just before we get to that, I'd just like to say a couple of things about some news stories that have been around in the last week or so. One resonates strongly with me, and that is the, um, the, the, the there's a social worker who's actually been given a 12-month condition of practice order by uh, the, the, the Health and Care Profession Council, and effectively uh, for uh, not uh, making her Facebook page private and for the comments that she posted on it concerning a case that she was involved with involving court and involving domestic violence and so forth, and the family complained. The social worker um, was adamant that she thought that her privacy settings were sufficient. Of course, they weren't. The, the family actually saw it or it was drawn to their attention. And she quite rightly has been admonished for it and uh, has now to serve 12 months effectively being uh, further supervised. But that's not really the main point for me as much as the distress that it causes this family possibly and the child and possibly even interferes with the judicial process. The fact is, again, it's a stark reminder of something that I've been going on about for a long, long time now, and that is social media and professions, especially ours, and teaching and law that effectively you leave yourself wide open if you don't have maximum security and know exactly who's going to be reading what you write. Unless, of course, you write just a load of nonsense, that's fine. But if you write anything that's, that's confidential, if you write anything that could be used against you, or even if you're not private and leave yourself wide open, people find you and post things about you or direct people towards you where you desperately need for the sake of professionalism to be confidential, Really, really just please, please, please don't let your social media uh, uh, be, be, be anything but very, very private indeed and actually protected. Now, secondly, the other thing I was uh, picking up this week was uh, the new chair of the Historic Child Abuse Inquiry that's been mentioned after um, uh, Lady Butler Sloss was uh, withdrew as chair because of uh, various uh, associations that she felt would interfere with her impartiality. The 
Lord Mayor of London, uh, Fiona Wolfe, was appointed to investigate claims of what, in effect, we're looking at an establishment cover-up of sexual abuse. And some MPs are jumping up and down here because it's emerged that she has close ties to the former Home Secretary, Leon Britton, and he is pretty likely to be called to give evidence about claims that he oversaw the, the, the alleged cover-up. So, I mean, I, I don't know where we're going to go with this now. I mean, as far as I'm aware so far, nobody's actually saying that uh, Fiona Wolfe is going to do anything and she's going to step, she's not going to step down. And, and effectively, I think this is being stonewalled. But I would predict... I would predict activity here and I would predict further challenges and I don't think this is something that's going to go away easily. Obviously, everybody hopes that it's a non-story and everybody hopes that uh, at last we've got an impartial chair for something that's uh, been waiting in the wings far too long. But uh, let's just wait and see. I'm just, uh, I don't know. You just wonder about people who actually appoint people who they don't look into the potential kind of possibilities uh, of their connections and what that might spark in terms of people who are looking for conspiracy theories. Anyway, without further ado, and uh, remember that you can download this on iTunes, just go to the iTunes store, hit podcasts and... uh, Please leave comments. That would be brilliant. You can do it from our website, uh, socialworldpodcast.com, Stitcher, Podfeed, wherever. And uh, tell your friends. And also tell your friends and yourself to give us some comments, give us some feedback, because we thrive on it. I I, I love it when it comes. And uh, So here we are. Joining us tonight is going to be Alan Wood. And uh, I commend the interview to you. Alan, Alan Wood. Alan's my guest today, and Alan's the president of the Association of Directors of Children's Services. You're very welcome, Alan. Thank you, David. I'm glad to be here. Now, just for people listening, a little bit of history here, that uh, up until 2012, you were the chief executive of the Learning Trust, which for 10 years you had been the chief exec of and responsible for all education in the London borough of Hackney, which it is said, was considered to be the worst uh, authority for education in the country before you took it over, and you were given an awful lot of credit for turning that round. And subsequently, you've been in post as the uh, director, the president of the Association of Directors of Children's Services now for, what, two years, Alan, is it? No, 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 it's only a one-year It's only a one-year posting. It's a one-year one, right? It's a one-year post, yeah. Um, you know, you're serving director and you uh, are elected to the presidency um, for one year. It, it, it actually turns out to be a three-year thing because you're deputy one year, then you're the president, and then subsequently you're the last uh, serving president, as it were. So you have it turns out to be a three-year stint, but it's uh, you're only the president for one year. Right, got you. Okay, so just just a little bit for the listeners, if you would, about what the job actually involves, or what that the honorary position involves. Well, I suppose there's there's two key areas uh, in the in the, in the post. One is to build uh, confidence and strength in the membership among directors, and our membership is also open to second and third tier staff in local authorities. 
Uh, and so we are building confidence that we are clear on what the key policy issues are we're trying to pursue. We're clear upon what the clear uh, we're clear upon what the challenges are faced by local authorities and their staff in delivering high quality education services and high quality uh, services for childcare, high quality services for children's social care, high quality services for young people through youth and associated. Uh, so we've got a policy. Uh, role in terms of developing that policy and getting support for it and listening to our members. And then we've got a representational role. And as president, I represent the association in national discussion with the Secretary of State, with ministers, with, uh, you know, the chief inspector, with the heads of other agencies, the police, etc. So we've got a representative role there. And we, by virtue of that, play our full role in many of many if not most of the national working groups and working parties which are working in our area of expertise so they're the two broad roles uh, that we have and i think that uh, you know we're making a reasonably good fist of, of uh, advising government of you know discussing with government what their initiatives are and providing you know strong and sometimes critical comment on what their proposals are and i think we're valued because of the contribution we make High-profile, high-profile stuff indeed, and um, I think recently that's also meant that you, what you say is taken quite seriously and spread around a lot. The, you, you're obviously well aware because a, 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 a recent event, you gave a, an interview to The Guardian in which you criticised, it seems, some of the, the, the status, if you like, or the, the questionable skills of newly qualified social workers coming through. Do you want to just expand on that? Because I think it caused an awful ruckus around the um, social work education community. Do you want to say a little bit about about that interview? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think as I've said before, I mean, it was a wide-ranging interview and I was very relaxed. And, um, uh, you know, perhaps the language I used was not the most diplomatic language. But I think the general point that I was making, I would I would make again. And that is that despite the fact that the schools of social work education uh, provide high quality social workers. Uh, there's too many that come out from uh, the schools who are insufficiently prepared to make best use of their first year uh, in social work. So despite the additional year of supported education, for example, we've still got people who are saying they are completely unprepared and uh, unsure of these issues. And, you know, directors individually have made clear to me prior to uh, that uh, interview with The Guardian and subsequently that they are still concerned about inconsistency. They're concerned that too many students are not being well enough prepared by uh, all of the schools of education. And my argument is at a time when we've got a chief social worker who is bringing national attention to the skills and the key uh, requirements of social work and social workers, we need to do more to understand how we arrive at a position where the quality of social worker coming out of education into practice uh, is much, much higher. And I think there's lots of ways of doing that. I think the traditional model has changed and will continue to change of people doing their CQSW and coming straight out, having done a little bit of placement practice. What I think a lot of people are talking about is how you can 
design courses in partnerships uh, between higher education and local authorities where, as it were, the majority of the time of the students is actually working in the local authority, working as a group, and learning from some of the approaches, some of the models that we've developed in uh, education, and some of the interesting things that are also happening in social work now. You know, so, you know, step up to social work and uh, front uh, line. These are, I think, really interesting models with a different different way of inculcating into students the absolute core and key skills of social workers, um, which, you know, we have to have access to to make sure that children and families and adults, of course, with adult social work, benefit from their expertise. Okay. Can I just, can I just then take up a couple of the points you've made there? Because, I mean, you know, you're, you're quite well placed to have these kind of views about and hear from your colleagues, you know, in children's services, as it were, up and down the country, other directors, about what their views are about newly qualified workers. My thing always is I'm always kind of being asked to comment or talk about this problem or that problem or this scandal or this child abuse matter or whatever, you know, in, in various media. And it almost feels like a sort of a drip, drip, drip in terms of the public perception of the image of social work. How... Is there any kind of thing you'd like to say about the morale of social workers in terms of how we should be helping that image in, in the community, as it were? Because obviously, you know, what you're saying, I'm sure, is heartfelt. Um, but there could be argued to be a downside to that with other social workers hearing what you're saying. I, I think that's a very important point, Um and, you know, I wouldn't want to be in a position that suggested that, you know, uh, there wasn't in social work some incredibly exciting uh, work going on and some fantastic professionalism and expertise that our social workers have. You know, I've seen a lot. I mean, we've remodeled the way we deliver social work in Hackney. That's a model that other people are looking at. Uh, I'm also involved in the decision making uh, in terms of the Innovations Fund, which is um, money that local authorities can apply for to rework their social work model. And I'm seeing some incredible stuff coming through. But travelling around the country, talking with people, I've seen, even in some places which are, you know, which are, which are causing headlines because of their general poor performance. So, for example, when I was in Doncaster, talking with frontline social workers there, you know, I was struck by the number of social workers and social work leaders there who were doing an absolutely stunning job, really fantastic job against quite complex and difficult odds. Um, and, you know, no one should be in any doubt that in this country at this time, there is some incredible work going on with our social workers. I suppose the point I'm making, David, and the point I, you know, didn't make well enough in that article was if we can do it for, you know, a good number of our social workers, then we should be able to provide the support and the training and the development and encouragement for all of them. Mm. Um, but it's that's not the case. Do you think it's funded well enough, Alan? Um, I think, you know, there's, what's evident is that local authorities have been protecting funding for um, frontline social work with children and families. Um, we're moving into a period where that's not necessarily going to be the case. And I think we're all worried about that. And as you know, when people start 
having squeezes on budgets, they start to look at um, the volume of training and development they're providing, the quality of training and development, and perhaps saying to themselves, well, we can't afford to do that because if we do do that, we won't be able to afford the same number of social workers. I think that's a fundamental mistake. I think the commitment we make to people's ongoing professional development, the people we make to ensuring that they're continually refreshing and renewing and learning new skills is an absolute essential ingredient for the best social work. So I think we find, just like we find with teachers, that people might talk about pay, people might talk about uh, issues like that. But where you get people staying is where the model of social work includes significant support for the professional development of social workers and high status for the activities social work undertake. I think in those areas, mm. uh, you find people staying and you find people wanting to go there. I think it's in the areas that see this as a numbers job, just getting people in and filling up spaces. That's where you see continuing problems with numbers and continuing reliance on temporary staff. Yeah, because agency staff do make up quite considerable numbers and more so in more times of crisis up and down the country. Uh, and there are a lot, as we all know, of very good agency staff. But obviously the downside of that, and they would be the first to admit it, is consistency um, that's right. in terms of service users. Um, I think that's right. And I think, I think we need to do, you know, I think, I, you know, I think we're, in a, we're in a world where we're, we're not just seeing lots of local authorities challenge challenge the traditional way that social work has been delivered and the traditional way social workers have been supported working with children and families, I think we're seeing people challenging the boundaries as well. You know, saying, well, actually, are there different ways of dealing with this? Um, I don't think that the, you know, for example, the social work practices there where there were six models, um, I, I feel slightly kind of disappointed that we didn't learn more there. You know, one or two of them worked really well and one of them has developed in Staffordshire. But that idea of groups of expert social workers working together as a collective, as a practice, you know, delivering social work for children, I, th I thought is really exciting. I think ideas like, you know, you know, I've been involved in Doncaster and ideas like the, you know, independent trust in Doncaster. These sorts of things, I think, are, are interesting contributions. The reason I think they're interesting, David, is because they centralise the importance of social work and say look our business is social work and the way social work changes opportunities for children and families and it's you know we're not we're not focused on a whole range of things we're focused on that and i think these are really interesting times what's your gut feeling in terms of these innovatory things you've talked about is it just a slow start or have they stalled i don't think they've stalled i think you know i mean i think the, the it, there was a bit of a delay in getting the program up and running so that people knew what it was and I think that was because you know ministers and officials were trying to work out how much money they had but you know the papers and the ideas that people are coming forward with uh, for funding are really very challenging and very interesting I mean you know anybody who hasn't put their application in yet get it in September the 19th um, you know but we're seeing we're seeing you know I've seen at least a dozen bids from local authorities who've got some really thoughtful and imaginative ideas about how they want to change the way they deliver social work and, you know, just asking for some support, some finances to do that. You know, we're seeing proposals coming forward from academics about, you know, how you can bring about change in complex situations uh, where, you know, authorities perhaps aren't doing as well as uh, they should be doing, how you can take social work expertise to another level. We're seeing some really interesting ideas as well around 
provision for adolescents where there's a, a bit of a crisis, I think, at the moment in terms of what to do with very challenging and challenged young people uh, on the edge of care or in care. So I think, I, I, I truly think, David, it's an interesting time. Uh, and people are saying, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but let's see if we can change the water a bit here, see if we can get some new ideas coming forward, which take account of some of the financial challenges and some of the financial difficulties that we have. I just wonder about the status of social work and, and how that impacts on um, the wider world's enthusiasm for supporting social work innovation. Um, it, it's always seemed to me, and ever since I was heavily involved as um, when I was chair of BASWA, for example, you know, many years ago, effect, effectively we seem to be still talking the same things in terms of the image of social work in the community. Um, and, you know, when I took people to... I mean, I, 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 I sorry to interrupt you, David, but I think one of the problems we've had is that social work lost its way. Ah. And I think what people weren't really clear about what social workers did. Are they the people who fill in a form for you and get you some welfare benefits? Are, the people, are they the people who write to the housing department to get you a new flat? Are they the people that kind of talk to the school about stop excluding the kid? You know, I remember when I first... I remember I, when I, oh yeah, I'll say, when I first came to Hackney, and I, I've been in Hackney quite a while, um, when I first came, I, I, I wanted to know what was happening with social work for kids who've got a disability. And I went to visit uh, the social work teens, and they were stuck in a building not attached to any girls. And it was a former children's home, and so they were all in a little room themselves, a former bedroom. And I went around talking to them, and I wanted to know, you know, what was the social work they were doing? What, what was it they did? And okay, maybe it was bad luck and I got them all on a bad day. But what was, what was clear is they weren't really social workers. They weren't really doing social work. They were welfare officers. They were trying to, you know, access families to grants for, you know, new facilities in their home. They were trying to access families to you know, different accommodation. But there was no real description of what they were doing in terms of interacting with the family to bring about a change in behaviour or a change in perspective or perception. Um, and, you know, how the family could more effectively work together uh, with the child without difficulty. It was really quite fascinating. And I, I thought to myself, well, hang on, this is a bit weird because you don't need social workers to do this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, workers did lose their way. I think leadership was not good enough. I think there was poor clarity about what we wanted social workers to do, and we wanted to dump things on them. I think it's only in the last few years that we've begun to say people we began to see people saying, "Hang on a minute, that's not right." You know, social work is one of the most important, uh, you know, professions we have in this country, and I it makes a vast difference to people's lives. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I mean. Just generally, I mean, what I was going to sort of point out was when I met opposite numbers from other Western industrialized countries, for example, the, the status of social work within their communities was much higher. And the actual, actual um, the clarity of what the task was, was much, was much better. And, um, you know, again, as, as you say, I think there's a lot of people here that would agree with you. And it has been changing, but it still needs more over the last few years in terms of 
getting rid of them, like direct work with children, for example, um, that seems to have been farmed out so much to the voluntary sector. Um, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, this is probably going to be equally controversial to things I've said about social work education. But in a funny way, um, I think there are other, you know, paraprofessionals that we need to develop uh, to work, uh, to do some of the things that social workers do so that we can have, you know, uh, perhaps a smaller number of social workers, but of a much higher status, um, working, directing and coordinating uh, the activity of others, but also being involved in direct work with families and children and bringing about change in a therapeutic, kind of a, a therapeutic, yeah. me words here, David, a therapeutic context. I really think that this is a, this is a big, we're at a big point in the development of social work in this country. I think, as I say, the fact that we've got a chief social worker, the fact that each local authority is supposed to have a, you know, uh, principal social worker advising the authority, these are really important bits of the navigation or bits on the map that help us to say, yes, the, the country does afford high status to the profession of social work, but what it wants is to have expert social workers carrying out you know, effective expert social work, and we need to do more to ensure that that is the characteristic of all of our social workers. Okay, let me run something by you and see what you think, because I, I'm a great believer about how social work is perceived, because I think it has a direct bearing on how the community works with us. So, for example, there's a distinct lack in my view, unlike your view on this, uh, that frontline social workers never talk to the press. And that people don't get an. Well, um, <laughs> just before I answer that, David, I've now my, my next meeting's here, so I'm going to have to go at the end of this, answer this question. All right, um, well, give, give sorry, me a quick. Sorry time. to muck up to leave you, but the. Um, <laughs> I, I I I think about frontline social work. about good things. I mean, people of higher yeah, pay. Frontline, so I think frontline 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 social workers like frontline teachers mm. talking to the media about. The difference their profession makes to children and families, I think, is important. Describing what they do. I think where it gets difficult is if you want frontline social workers to talk to the media about individual cases, because no, no, the only no. case that the media will want to talk about is those where something, in their view, has gone wrong. No, and I think we good news, good news, and success stories. It's people at higher pay levels should talk about crisis. That's fair enough. But now I'm talking about the thousands of good news stories that we could be hearing so that tomorrow morning when that social worker goes in a new case on the doorstep, there's just that little bit more trust, that little bit more I, understanding. I, I think we need to do more to publicise what social workers do. One way of doing that, an effective way of doing that, is to have you know, good social workers in front of the media talking to the media. Okay. Um, Quick whether, that's, whether that's radio, TV or newspaper. Quick last word. What would be your okay. message to the social work community? Quick last word. The quick last word would be this. We're in really important times for social work to demonstrate how important it is to the rest of our society to change opportunities and change lives. Don't get blown off course by all the talk about resources. Don't get blown off course by all the kind of stories about where things have gone wrong. Focus on the wonderful things that are happening and how we can take them to a higher level. Alan Wood, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Thank you, David. Well, I hope you agree that um, that was quite wide-ranging 
Um, some of your comments you might not. I mean, some of these comments you might not agree with. Some that I hope you think are perfectly well worth repeating. Uh, in terms of the professionalism of social work, in terms of the social workers that he praised, in terms of the profession that he obviously has a passion about. So give me your feedback. I really would be interested in that. There is uh, SpeakPipe, which is uh, a a one-click service beside this podcast that you can just leave a message. And either we'll include you um, in, in the next podcast when we're giving feedback or at least reflect your comments. Other than that, as always, my thanks to Alba Digital Media for making this possible and for their professionalism. And, um, well, I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks ever so much for joining me.